0: This is Liz Whitechop, and you're listening to, to ADA Live. Yo. All
1: right, let's roll. Let's go.
2: ADA Live is brought to you by the Southeast ADA Center, the Burton Blatt Institute at Syracuse University, and the ADA National Network. I am your host, Pam Williamson, Assistant Director of the Southeast ADA Center. It is National Disability Employment Awareness Month, or N-D-E-A-M, ending. The theme for 2019 is the right talent right now. We have real talent with us today, and I'm excited to have Liz Weintraub, a colleague and friend, as we recognize National Disability Employment Awareness Month. Liz Weintraub is a Senior Advocacy Specialist with the Association of University Centers on Disabilities, or AUCD. She is also a graduate of the Georgia Leadership and Education and Neurodevelopmental Disabilities, GA Lind. It is an interdisciplinary training program at the Center for Leadership in Disability at Georgia State University. Liz, we are really excited to have you with us today. And we want to know about advocacy, some of the changing policies or laws in self-advocacy. Is it right to think that advocacy can be general or focused on one issue or a community while self-advocacy is more personal? Can a person be both an advocate and a self-advocate?
0: Yes, Pam, and thank you for inviting me to be here. Um, To answer your question, um, a person can be both an advocate. And a South African. And I'll give you an example. I am a South African when I talk to my husband about what to eat or where to go on vacation, or even when I talk to my bosses about what I want to do in my job, starting Tuesdays with Squid, on which I know that we'll talk about that later was the time that I advocated for myself um, at work. However, when I'm on the Hill or when I'm advocating for others, I'm an advocate just like you are. Today, when, when I'm here talking about employment, employment dis, um, disability, employment policy, I'm an advocate, and I would like to be an advocate just like you are. So thank you.
2: Thank you for that excellent information and the examples you shared. So what roles do advocacy and self-advocacy play in employment?
0: Roles could be that a person with a disability wants a job want a career, and they're separate, and we can talk about that in a minute, but um, a role is um, how much you pay, how much is a salary, Um, those are the kind of roles I think of.
2: So that sounds like self advocacy to me, so how does advocacy play a role in employment how would How would um, a person who is just an advocate work through an employment setting?
0: For example, right now we're having on um, one of the bills that is being we're working on and been introduced, it hasn't been passed. It's called the Transformative Competitive Employment Act. And it was introduced in July. And it says that people with disability have the right to have a job like anyone else in the community. And they don't need to necessarily have to be sitting at a special table or get special help when you you your working You can work alongside people with and without disability.
2: So to clarify, self-advocacy is when a person may advocate for him or, her, him or herself on the job, either seeking accommodations or equal pay or something like that and then advocacy and employment really is more dealing with systems issues and legal issues and things of that nature would that be correct yes great great so well you mentioned something a while ago about having a career versus a job what is the difference between the two
0: a job is something that you're just taking to do a job might be your first job out of school, out of um your workshop, whatever the case might be. But a career is something they will have um your um A career is something that you, you will have for the rest of your life. I believe that people without disability can have careers. They go to school and say, okay, I want to be a lawyer or I want to be a doctor. That's a career. But when, when I go to, when I get a job, all my parents want to for me is a job. I want a career just like you do, like you.
2: Liz, thanks for the great information about a job versus a career. So now at this time, ADA Live listeners, if you have any questions about this episode and the Americans with Disabilities Act or the ADA, Submit your questions online anytime at www.adalive.org. You may also call the Southeast ADA Center at 404-541-9001. Now, let's pause for a word from our featured organization, the U.S. Department of Labor and National Disability Employment Awareness Month.
1: Held each year in October, National Disability Employment Awareness Month, or NDEAM, began in 1945, following the return of service members with disabilities from World War II. National Disability Employment Awareness Month seeks to educate and promote the employment of people with disabilities as well as celebrate the many and varied contributions of people with disabilities in the workplace across the United States. The U.S. Department of Labor Office of Disability Employment Policy, or ODEP, 2019 theme, The Right Talent Right Now, emphasizes the essential role that people with disabilities play in America's economic success especially in an era when historically low unemployment and global competition are creating a high demand for skilled talent learn more and get resources at www.dol.gov/forward/ o-d-e-p forward slash t-o-p-i-c-s forward slash n-d-e-a-m
2: welcome back to ada live i am talking with liz weintraub about the importance of a career path and the crucial role that both advocacy and self-advocacy play in employment liz the u.s department of labor Bureau of Labor Statistics tracks something called the employment population ratio. The employment population ratio is the percentage of the population that is employed. In 2018, the employment population ratio for people without a disability was 66 percent and only 19 percent for people with disabilities. Why do you think the employment rate remains so high for people with disabilities?
0: Thank you for that question. I think one of the reasons for uh, such high employment among people with disability is attitude. I think that attitudes for against people with, attitudes of people with disability, people without disability, is such that people can't do the job. People don't have the stamina of working nine to five, a eight-hour day. Something not nine to five, but most of the time it's nine to five, um, or or people just people will think that causing. Issues about working in a job. People who might have medical issues. Employers will think they will cost them money for lost wages. I think that people with physical disabilities, businesses don't want to to adapt their offices for people with physical disabilities. So
2: I think there's a lot of issues. Yeah, you have mentioned a lot of issues here. Attitudes, stamina, potential accommodation costs, loss wages. And we look at these issues as well as the numbers that we talked about with the employment population ratio. We look at them a lot and they seem to stay right around this 19%. They don't move very much. So, as we look at this, obviously we want it to change. We want it to get better. So, what's the number one thing that you think is important to get people with disabilities employed?
0: I think attitudes. I think that if businesses have the right attitude and they're willing to take a chance on us, then people will have a job. Take a risk on us. And yes, I I say a risk because it may or may not work out. I can tell you that I work in the policy arena on the policy team at, for AUCD. I never have gone to college. The highest degree I have ever gotten was a high school diploma. And a lot of people might think, well, How can Liz work in the policy field? Well, you just need to take the chance on me and see what I can do. And I'll show you what I can do. And it's been four years since I've been on the policy team here at DUCD, and I guess people like
2: that. Liz, I love that you've shared your personal example because it is a risk. It's a risk to hire anyone, whether, no matter what. And But the fact that uh, you talk about your, the own personal risk and the risk AUCD took on you and the fact that it's going so well, to me, shows the way it should be done on both sides. Yeah,
0: and if they're willing to take a risk on you – as a person with a disability,
2: why can't they take a risk on me as a person with a disability? Excellent. So, Well, actually, Liz, this segues nicely into my next question because I would like for us to talk more about your role at AUCD, the Association of University Centers on Disabilities. What does AUCD do to promote the employment of people with disabilities?
0: Oh, we do a lot. First of all, we work with Congress on legislation regarding employment, the Transformative Competitive Employment Act, which says that you need to take out 14C and have people be able to work in in a regular job. We have a center around helping people learn how to work with people with disabilities. We do research around employment, so those kinds of things.
2: So, you actually have a wide range of things at AUCD the legislative advocacy and policy work, uh, learning to work with people with disabilities, training, and many, and research and many other things, I'm sure. Yes. Um, that is great. That is great. Now, I understand that you also host a popular weekly video series called Tuesdays with Liz Disability Policy for All. Tell us a little bit more about how this came about and what the focus of the program is.
0: Okay, it started really as me being selfish. All good ideas in some ways are beginning that way. Um, Isn't that true, Pam? So when I was probably at the dinner table, when I was probably eight or nine, whenever, most of the dinner conversation was about policy and politics. And I sat at the table. Um, I was included in the family discussion. But I wasn't really included because you know what? I didn't understand what was going on. And when I asked my parents what a policy was or who that that person is, they said, look it up, look it up, look it up. And I said, no, that isn't good. I don't understand what you're talking about. And so I wanted to make sure my friends and I would be able to understand what was going on. So when I had the chance to make a video um, about four years ago, I started this YouTube show. It's not a podcast. It's a YouTube show where I sit down with policymakers, anyone who's involved with policy to talk about what what's a policy is and I make them explain it in language that my friends I know would understand. And it has grown grown um beyond my friends. It has grown to um people that might not understand about policy. Um, Believe it or not, not everyone understands about policy. Not everyone likes policy, and that's that's fine. So therefore, my show helps that. Helps with that.
2: Liz, I knew I liked you from the time I met you. We're like two fees in a pod. So policy and and learning go hand in hand for me. So, and I love the fact that you have your own YouTube video series and show and I want to encourage people to subscribe because it will be an an excellent learning experience for all of us. Thank so you. So Thank you. Well, Liz, I cannot believe we are at the end um, of our time together today. I am so grateful to have you with us and really excited about uh, listening into your show, uh, Tuesdays with Liz, Disability Policy for All, and we do want to... um, Make sure that folks know that you are a Senior Advocacy Specialist with the Association of University Centers on Disabilities, or AUCD, and a graduate of, and I want you to give me the name.
0: The Center for Leadership and Disability at Georgia State.
2: Okay, at the Center for Leadership and Disability at Georgia State University. Excellent.
0: Can I just add? Um, My final thought is by 2020, next year, Employment Month, I would like to challenge your viewers and challenge everyone that we we increase the labor force by 10% for people with disabilities.
2: Liz, I think that is a great goal for all of us to aspire to and one that we really should work with employers and employees with disabilities to make sure it happens. And also um, to make sure that folks know it's okay to identify if they choose to do so. Because I believe that we have a lot of people out there who may have a disability who choose not to identify for whatever reason. Well folks, if you have any questions about this episode and the topic of disability employment, please submit your questions online at any time at www.adalive.org or call the Southeast ADA Center at 404-541-9001. ADA Live is available in a variety of formats you may find archives, transcripts, and resources at adalive.org. You may also listen to the program on our SoundCloud channel at www.soundcloud.com forward slash ADALive. You may download podcasts by going to the podcast icon on your mobile device and then search for ADA Live. As we celebrate the ADA throughout the year and the ADA anniversary on July 26th, check out the toolkit of monthly themes, social media posts and more at www.adaanniversary.org. If you have any questions about the Americans with Disabilities Act, submit them online anytime at www.adalive.org or contact your regional ADA center in the ADA National Network at 1-800-949-4232. Remember, all of these calls are free and confidential. ADA Live is a program of the Southeast ADA Center, the Burton Blatt Institute at Syracuse University, and the ADA National Network. Our music is from Four Wheel City, the Movement for Improvement. We look forward to having you join us on the next episode.